0: Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. This session, Robin and I and fondly about an intimate moment from the past. After waiting years for a certain queer experience, Robin finally got the birthday present she always wanted. Afterward, after sharing the story, I mean, we talk about fluid exchange hierarchies and polyamory risk profiles. Remember, Robin's second book, Polyglamorous, A Queer Mom's Misadventures and Lessons in Non-Monogamy, is available if you want more content. You can check her out at robinsnestcoaching.com, all one word, or at alternativesexuality.ca forward slash shop. <laughs> um, I really appreciated that you signed the inside of, um, of the jacket of my copy of Call Me Holly with no thank I you, I knew you'd
1: appreciate that. I had to.
0: I appreciate it so signed, much. You uh, signed
1: from like our wedding. We had like a banner. Yes, <laughs> that's how you. That's why I did it because you signed the wedding banner with no thank you, which was am- amazing as the best signature on that entire thing.
0: I'm so happy you liked it. When I related the story to my, <laughs> you know, cisgendered um, dude roommate he was just like, that was not the right thing to say in that moment.
1: No, it was the perfect thing. That was the, cause like I completely forgotten at that point that people were there. Right. I'm in my own world. Right. Like, Susan, thank you. Like, right. No, thank you. And just this <laughs> voice in the distance that just brought me back to the planet. No, thank <laughs> you. It was the perfect so... moment. <laughs>
0: So the funny thing is, um, I had felt, so did I tell you about the story from my side? Like how I
1: it. I want to hear it.
0: Okay, cool. I'll, um, happily relate that. So I was watching you and this person make out in the living room of whoever's place we were in. Um, was it, was it your place or was it someone else's? It was my place. Right. It was your place at the time. Cause you weren't living with your then partner.
1: No, no Brandon and I um, lived together. That was in an apartment in New West oh oh
0: right so that would have been your collective place together yeah
1: we each had our own bedroom but yeah neat
0: that's so cool and yeah i i remember the two of you flirting and the connection and shyness and like affection and like twitter patient that i was seeing (laughs) was beyond adorable and like I was, you know, I I grew up socialized as a boy and I was a child of the 90s. So, like, I had seen a lot of faux lesbian porn that was designed for mass consumption by, like, cisgender dudes. And I was never, I never found it appealing. Like, I just didn't really get it. I didn't really like it. But then suddenly there were, like, two real human beings having a genuine queer connection. And it was the little things. It was, like, the, the, the super coy, shy, flirty... Oh my God, I, I'm going to say this thing and then immediately look like, please don't shoot my puppy because (laughs) there's so much emotionally on the line for me. Yeah. It was just the most adorable thing that I had ever watched. And then when things started to get hot in like a gently hot way, it was like teasing, testing, very slowly approaching this thing that was like too, it was like a present that was too special to unwrap. Mm
1: -hmm. That is a really (laughs) good way of putting it
0: it was the hottest thing that I think I've ever seen because of the amount of teasing and because of the amount of like genuine love and affection and like, and curiosity, Mm -hmm. there was just such a like uncertain need and, and this, this need for reassurance Mm -hmm. um, from each other. Almost. It was really beautiful to watch. So then when, you know, your partner was like, um just go like the the bedroom's right there just go (laughs) and and the two of you just like
1: everyone but i felt bad yeah you were like my birthday you were like right you're like
0: it's my party so i can't leave all my guests but i really want to leave all my guests
1: (laughs) yeah yeah my partner's like just just go
0: (laughs) I was honestly like genuinely touched in like a heart place from watching the two of you. And then when you left to go to the bedroom, I was like, wow, that was actually one of the hottest exchanges that I've seen between people. And that was like, literally no clothes were taken off. There was no genital touching. It was just like, just young lovers, just really, really like uncertain and into each other. And I was like, that was really special. Like what we just watched. And, and then like a minute goes by, And it's just like because I'm I'm remembering um, the person who came in with me and your partner and me and the three of us just sat there without saying anything after that comment (laughs) for like a minute. And I was like, man, it would be really cool to be in there and just (laughs) sort of see how that evolves. And your partner was like, you know, you could um, you could just go see if you could watch. And I was like. No, I was like, I'm not going to be did. that creep. Of course
1: he did. What a,
0: I was like, I'm not going to... Such a shit disturber, he right? Re-
1: he's, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think of the word. Um. I'm trying to think of, like, not a bad influence, not quite an enabler, <laughs> but, like, an encourager. What's the word I'm looking for?
0: He's definitely a facilitator.
1: A facilitator, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's done that to me so many times, and I want to be thankful, but I'm also like, buddy. <laughs> you always gotta push right. people and like push just the right buttons and encourage all of that. And I'm, I'm great. I'm glad that he did. It's just, of course it was him that was like, you can go in there. <laughs> he would.
0: Um. So yeah. So literally I was like, no, I'm not going to like, I'm like, they just went in to get some privacy. Like I, I don't want to go in. And he looks and he's like, they did leave the door open. Oh. And I was like, they did leave the door open <laughs> and he's like you know you could just go and ask the worst they could say is no mm-hmm. and i was like oh i feel like i'd be such a creep but it seems really special and i really kind of want to just yeah. like see how this plays out so i was like all right i'm i'm gonna just go and ask and i felt like 14 all over again like i was so bashful you were and like embarrassed cute.
1: Both and of you're very cute
0: so I start coming to the bedroom. I like stand up and start walking. And immediately the person who follows me is like, wait, I'm coming to And like tags on. I, uh, I so he's going to be like, he's like, he, he was perfectly content to, to just like tag along and let me do the asking. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, and because I knew you and the person that you were having your interaction with, um, like personally, I felt a little more comfortable asking. I don't think he did. So then I definitely remember being like, Hey, is it okay if we come in and watch? (laughs) And I remember you being like, yeah, that's totally like, so long as all you do is watch. And like, are you comfortable with it? And again, you like checked in with your partner Mm -hmm. and everything seemed good. So, um, and then it was the person who came with me that was like, you won't even know we're here. So then we come in and we sit down super sheepishly and super quietly, like little boys that like are reaching into the proverbial, you know, cookie jar to get some tasty cookies. (laughs) Yes and then this whole beautiful scene like unfolds and i was just captivated like i didn't obviously wasn't going to say anything but like i didn't i don't even think i made any noise like no, i was completely really captivated just you watching were there, it.
1: like you were completely silent
0: right so then after your partner came i was like oh wait they've completely forgotten we're here <laughs> yep <laughs> and i was like All of that was very special and suddenly I'm very self-conscious that we're transitioning from the super sexual energy back to the super loving energy and this feels too special for me to be in the room for and I'm worried now that I've like that I've in some way sort of like crossed that line of like perverted friend which like in kink scenes we all have perverted friends that were that are just totally fine to watch us do the most like incredibly yeah. offbeat things. Yeah. And ironically, it's the most like normative type of thing that we feel most like weird about. I know,
1: right?
0: <laughs> it's like you were doing like it's the most intimacy, normative stuff right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like there's a deep intimacy mm-hmm. that was what I found so appealing to watch. Um and then suddenly I was like, "Oh my goodness, like I'm really worried that in some way, you know, like I'm I'm out of bounds here." But then as the two of you are reconnecting, I'm like, no, I'm like, I specifically asked, they said it was okay. Mm -hmm. Like they both know me and they know that I've, you know, never in a million years want to hurt them in any way. And like, I, I, it's not like I'm going to be making any requests of them or anything like that. So like, it's not perverse in that way. So I'm like running through this checklist in my head and I'm like, so at some point during the night, I need to get from here to the bedroom door and they're going to notice. And I'm like, (laughs) Hmm how do I want them to notice me in the room again <laughs> without feeling like a totally disgusting creep?
1: Right.
0: And I'm like, well, no matter how I sneak out, it's going to feel like I'm like walking away with something if I don't check in with them first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but how do I check in with them in a way that doesn't feel creepy? And I'm like, well, maybe that's the ticket. Maybe what I should do is just be like the creepiest version of myself. I can be, <laughs> just to draw attention to the yeah. fact that i feel like a complete creep yeah, right now
1: yeah
0: yeah so then of course you're like thanking each other like literally you've just given all the pleasure to this person and this person's like thank yeah, you she thanks and me you're for just an so cool. and i've been waiting she, years she thanked you like, so long <laughs>
1: well, uh, and no, like all the like queer you. all
0: the qu- all the queer exploration, like finally getting to, to be with someone really hot Mm -hmm. that was in your friend circle. And yeah, there's the thank you. No, thank you. And I was like, well, it's now or never. And I was just like, no, thank you. (laughs) Just the dirtiest, creepiest voice, the maskiest voice I could put on just, and I still remember the look on her face (laughs) of pure mortification.
1: (laughs) Oh, and then I just die laughing. I just—that was perfect. Well, I thought it was.
0: I knew that. I knew that you'd appreciate it.
1: <laughs> it was really just the perfect way of, you know, bringing us back to earth. And I, I really do like humor, honestly, for so many different, you know, coping mechanisms. But you know, this—it mm-hmm. was a nice way to kind of break any tension. Like you know, you're feeling tension over okay this is something really intimate and there's always a little bit I mean it was relaxed but there is sometimes a bit of tension when it comes to that transition from sexy to intimate to like okay this is real life we're at a party right now so it was mm-hmm. it was a really lighthearted way to kind of break that tension and transition back to like okay um there are people in this room that have been watching us <laughs> the whole time. The whole time, which I had forgotten. And it was kind yeah. of a nice reminder, but in such a f- fucking hilarious way. Um, and, you know, it, it speaks a lot to um, toxic masculinity culture that mm-hmm. you were so afraid of, you know, being creepy or violating us in any way of what we wanted or that it wasn't is it, is, it appro- is it appropriate to go watch? Is it appropriate to go ask um, right, and, and even us, 100%, I, I don't want to necessarily speak for her. I, I'm sure she felt the same way. But I 100% trust, and at the time trusted you and the other person there. I never would have thought in a million years that you, by saying, hey, can we watch? I know that that didn't mean, hey, mm-hmm. can we join? But at the same right. time, we felt the need to be like, as long as that's all it is, that you're just watching, you're not trying to join or anything, that's fine. Even though I trusted you, it's still a point of um, that toxic masculinity culture of men that are just going to join in or, or, or violate something in any kind of way. And we knew that that's all you wanted to do is watch. And that's why we were like, that is totally, totally fine.
0: Right. Yeah. It it definitely helped that we all knew each other. Like that the four of us kind of knew each other as a group that definitely made it a lot easier, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's always that, that kind of, yeah, that kind of fear that with, with your friends, especially like people that you really care about, like the last thing you would want is to give them the wrong idea. So I think by, by overplaying the creep factor to being like (laughs) so creepy that I couldn't possibly be serious, it kind of like gave us all a moment to laugh about that when you sort of became aware again, oh right, two of my friends have been watching us the whole time.
1: (laughs) That was, and still is like such a wonderful memory. That was a great time. And it's it's mm-hmm. in the book that there was a lot of anticipation leading up to that time. It was somebody <laughs> who was a good friend, but I had like, I was falling over for her. And she was always very mm-hmm. teasing. She's very top energy and very tease and deny. And so, and she knew how much I wanted her, but my
0: God, she really is tease <sighs> and deny as well. It
1: really, really is.
0: And Which is kind of perfect, seeing as he used to be a stripper. Like,
1: <laughs> I know, right? I, I was getting a taste of my own medicine, for sure. And it wasn't until... And it was a complete surprise. And she was... Uh, I don't know if you... You were there. We went out for sushi before coming back to my place. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting next to me. And just even her sitting next to me, I was, like, sweating. And that's and mm-hmm. when she was like, I got something for your birthday. And I'm like, what? And next to me, she lifts her skirt, and there's, like, garters and... <laughs> so i'm like is this gonna happen uh is this gonna happen is this finally gonna happen so i'm glad that you were there to see this like very very long anticipatory i know she's flirting with me i know it's gonna happen at some point when is it gonna happen? Mm-hmm. it was the best birthday present ever
0: well and there was also such an air of like if this turns out to be like a really big tease, I'm just going to take how like unbearable that is and die a little inside.
1: (laughs) I would die happy, but you know,
0: yes. Um, It was, it was sort of the way that you had sort of accepted that at any moment, the rug might be pulled out from under your feet and you'd be like, Oh great. That was just another tease. And I'm dead.
1: (laughs) And I'm, I don't have a lot of bottom energy, but man, like for some people that have that really (laughs) good top energy, it's like, it just brings it out of you
0: definitely yeah I think that person's a switch oh yeah and and I mean I identify as a switch as well I'm not sure if you identify as a switch I I identify more as like
1: a top heavy switch
0: got it that's kind of how
1: yeah I don't I I like bottoming I am a masochist I do I'm not very submissive Mm -hmm. but I do enjoy bottoming uh there's only a few people that I I feel like I can really bottom to someone that has that really powerful energy and someone that I trust and someone mm-hmm. that I know, I know this sounds funny, someone that I know can like really take me.
0: Yeah. Who's not going to be upset by any brattiness, I guess.
1: Yeah. Or, or just because
0: um, some tops are,
1: I, I want a top. I don't want to know what a top is thinking or going to do. I don't want to be able to anticipate what they're doing. And I don't want to be like, oh, I know exactly what you're doing. Um, and right. I know this isn't uncommon. I, I know I, I have like a little bit of shame over it. I feel like I'm, I, I don't want to be like a kink snob, but I've been a lot, <laughs> I've been a lot pickier over who tops me as the years have gone on because I've learned so many things.
0: Oh my God. So true. Right.
1: That now I don't want someone to top me and I'd be like, I know exactly what you're doing. I want to be kept on my toes. And because I have learned more, it does take somebody that has a lot of that knowledge and experience usually, um, sometimes, to top me
0: sometimes I still think that's enjoyable. Like I can still enjoy when I'm like, wow, this tops fundamentals are really incredible. Like watching <laughs> you someone. Would.
1: You're so nerdy. I love that.
0: Um, in fact, I've said that to a top before and had a top immediately <laughs> stop the scene. Oh, no. oh, like no. I didn't realize that it was such a fucking deal breaker, but I have definitely been in a rope scene with someone and they're a professional. And I was like, Wow, I can't believe how great your fundamentals are, <laughs> and they were like done.
1: Oh, I mean, I could see that going well though. I've literally had where I, I hooked up with someone, and the next day they text. It was the best, one of the hottest texts. I got a text back and saying it was so hot. I just want to say how I loved how much you used a lot of medical terminology. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's great yeah yeah it was it well it was somebody that specifically was non-binary and did have some dysphoria and they were like i don't want to use a lot of slang right Right. and i was like okay so sticking with like textbook stuff and so i used a ton of medical terminology that night and they apparently were really into it (laughs) i was like that's a hot text to get back i loved all the medical terminology used with me last night
0: yeah that's something i would appreciate (laughs) hearing as well
1: (laughs) Anyways, uh, you
0: want to talk about pro-doming? That's true. Um, let's save that for a different session. I kind okay. of want to switch gears and talk a little bit about polyamory yeah. risk profiles and fluid exchange.
1: Okay.
0: Do you want to talk about... Um, because like, I identify as non-hierarchical relationship anarchist. Um, How do you identify?
1: Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> I know, it's hard, right? I, yeah. I feel... Like, I'm, I'm somewhat of a combination or maybe somewhere in between a relationship anarchist mm-hmm. and someone that is a solo polyam.
0: Ooh. We could do a whole episode <laughs> just on the difference between those two we things. We could. We
1: really could.
0: Because they're so similar yeah. in a lot of generalized ways.
1: Yeah. So that's why I'm like, is it a combination? Am I somewhere in there?
0: Right. And then there's the whole hierarchy piece, which, mm-hmm. like, as a non-hierarchical person, I'm non-hierarchical about control, but that doesn't mean that I'm, that doesn't mean that I don't recognize that there are hierarchies of obligation. Like if you have kids together, if you own property together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So for me, I think of it as like when some people identify as hierarchically polyamorous, they mean to say they have a hierarchy of obligation. And I'm like, that's fine. But if there's a hierarchy of control and there's a third party exerting control over my relationship with someone, I'm a big nope to that.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a good
0: Because that kind of, it gets into this area of like exerting control over a relationship that fundamentally isn't your relationship. And that gets into like not abuse territories necessarily, but like there have been some applications of veto that I've heard about where people have gotten really hurt and it's just like, Mm the veto is being exercised because of a third party's insecurity about the relationship. And it just doesn't feel appropriate to me as a relationship anarchist. But I mean, who the fuck cares what I think about someone else's relationship. It's more important if people in the relationship feel it's not appropriate.
1: Mm -hmm. I've definitely been on, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have, I've definitely been on the shit end of a veto or certain vetoes Mm -hmm. that it was like, it wasn't, they were vetoing me altogether. It was like, they would just veto certain things here and there when they were feeling insecure. Right. And it, it it really did uh, destroy the relationship in a lot of ways because there was I felt like mm-hmm. I had no no control or no say in my own relationship with somebody that I had met once in person. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But anyways, are our... how are you? Hey, Oh, I'm
0: I'm I'm doing okay, great.
1: Okay, okay, we're just gonna get into it.
0: Yeah, we can we can launch right into yeah. it if you want to talk about hierarchy and fluid exchange. Yeah, and
1: let's do it. Fluid bonding. You would be a really wonderful person to talk to as well with that. That's with both Aww, things. You're a wonderful you. conversationalist.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, I I often feel like when I'm sick, as I have been today with like chronic pain stuff, mm-hmm. I can be kind of like blasé and kind of like not like I don't pursue the conversation mm-hmm. in a way that I would normally would.
1: It's all right. We all have. We have our days and our, you know, I've got, I have chronic back and hip pain and uh, I struggle with mental illness. And so I can definitely, definitely relate.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know whether I've told you that I started a medication for depression again, whole other episode.
1: <laughs> I want to say congratulations um, if that's the right term. Thank
0: you. It is, it is appropriate in this case. Yeah. The medication has been great, minimal side effects okay. and extremely good at managing symptoms, which is ideal. That is
1: wonderful. It can be so hard to find the right medication, the right dosage. It is It is very, totally. di- very difficult because we don't exactly have ways to measure everything that's going on in our mental health, right?
0: Totally. Not to mention, in a lot of cases, we aren't completely sure why drugs do what they do. Yeah. That Like pharmacology is like, oh, we just know it sort of anecdotally helps with this stuff. And when we do a double-blind trial, we know that it... That people self-report that it helps so it's like Absolutely. cool so it does a thing we're not really sure how we think this yeah. is how it does it but we're not really sure how it accomplishes that and it's like yeah. cool.
1: definitely the kind of least exact science in pharmacology in a lot of ways
0: oh my god yeah yeah um but um backtracking to polyamory yes. and non do you want to talk a little bit about how quote-unquote fluid bonding is a controversial term
1: yeah and i i still have mixed feelings on it because i i do understand why that might be important but i do understand why it's controversial um i i it's so Mm. i can't talk about how there are shades of gray of anything anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) i just can't it makes my stomach just go in knots but i mean i i need another phrase for that but there are many different shades um upgrade oh, when it comes to <laughs> I can hear the pain <laughs> it's painful to say when it comes to that kind of topic um, fluid bonding is um, essentially when you and a partner have agreed to uh, have certain fluid exchange during sexual interactions some people also might separate that um, or differentiate that from blood bonded meaning they're okay mm-hmm. sharing blood which um, on, mm-hmm. in terms of fluid sharing is the highest risk of fluids that you could exchange and mm-hmm. some reasons that people um, have noted how controversial it is is because it, it oftentimes it assumes hierarchy or some kind of ranking that, mm-hmm. oh, well, me and this person, we're polyamorous, we're not hierarchical, but we're fluid-bonded, and no one, we're not allowed mm-hmm. to have anyone else be fluid-bonded. You know, like, it, it mm-hmm. automatically kind of sets up a bit of a hierarchy and so I know some people really struggle with that and it makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's a discussion that definitely needs to be had with your partner on what uh, levels of risk you're willing to take in terms of fluid exchange and barriers. Um, so I, I would say I'm more of, of a relationship anarchist and I, I say it's kind of on a case-to-case basis that you discuss with that person and if there are certain levels of fluid exchange that I would communicate mm-hmm. that with other sexual partners as well. Um, yeah. But I, I try to have as a, it as like a status, like we are fluid bonded as like a relationship status. Right. Is that something that could exist mm-hmm. on, on Facebook? Your relationship yeah. status yeah. fluid bonded. <laughs> it almost feels that way a lot of times, the way that it gets used.
0: I agree. And I think it's, it's really, it's potentially dangerous because people can choose to be um exchanging fluids purely as a mar- as a mark of significance or as a milestone in their relationship rather than because they even really want to which is just a weird thing where you're you know you're exchanging fluids and you're like I could do this I could not do this it's a really meh point for me and if that's the case it's significantly higher risk than not exchanging fluids so and like risk of things potentially depending on, you know, genders and sexes of folks involved, um, potentially of pregnancy. But in addition to that, also just of STI sharing, and it represents a faster bridge for STI transmission in your polycule. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just ends up being like a larger risk, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. If that's a thing you really want to do, but if it's not a thing that really does anything for you, then it might be worth like unpacking that a little with your partner and taking a look at what you actually want.
1: Right. Yeah. That almost sounds like, and it makes sense. It sounds almost like a relationship escalator step.
0: hmm. Yes. Like hundred percent.
1: Everything in sex is almost leading up to the goal of being quote-unquote fluid bonded when it that's i feel like
0: totally i feel like we have all of these internalized things from monogamy and like we really like as people to know there's a plan and like a natural flow to relationships and it can be exhausting to have to come up with your own milestones and work to imbue them with meaning um especially if you do it all the time or though although i think for me it's become less exhausting at the more I've done it because ideas are easier. Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe a milestone is, Oh, we meet each other's parents or maybe a milestone is, um, Oh, we go on a vacation together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are a lot of ways to have milestones in non-monogamy that don't involve um, necessarily sharing fluids having said that i'm quite partial to sharing fluids and there are certain acts that involve fluid exchange that i really like doing yeah i have sort of made it a point not to share fluids with more than one person at a time unless both of those people are like 100 like 200 percent comfortable with that right. and usually only if and this is going to sound so shittily one penis policy of me and i apologize in advance in the past when i've done that it's been sort of a If any of you are having other um, people that you're fluid exchanging with, then you have to clear it with the person at the other end of the chain as well. So it's not just me that you have to clear it with. You have to clear it with your metamor because there's a direct line between the two of you now. Mm -hmm. Which is like not exactly one penis policy. No, I think that kind of makes sense. But like people don't always think of that, Mm -hmm. and a lot of folks who want to have fluid exchange with multiple partners don't necessarily want the inconvenience of that. Right. And I'm just like, but it's kind of irresponsible mm-hmm. because now you're metamor who's having unprotected sex with the hinge partner yes. who's having unprotected sex with you and you're having unprotected sex with, you know, yeah. person um, D. Well now person a, your metamore on the other side. Mm-hmm. It has a very fast route of transmission with person D. So it's kind of like just, just, Check in with all the stakeholders, right? Like get consent from all the people. Now, the funny thing is, as this is a very arbitrary thing, like the fact that I just made this arbitrary rule up that you should check with person A if you have person D having unprotected sex in this unbroken chain, that's really just a a, a risk profile thing in a Mm -hmm. sense. Because it's like if you were all having protected sex, I wouldn't in a million years say that you should ask person A for permission, your Mm -hmm. metamor, for you to take on another protected sex partner and the only reason i would make those two distinctions is my personal risk profile and how i view the riskiness of those two different activities
1: right um yeah Uh, and i feel like that raises a a few questions for sure um i mean one how far the line do you need to go (laughs) right because i know that you know this and a lot of people in non-monogamous communities are aware of you know the common cold and how it just makes this wave through the non monographist community <laughs> is kind of gross, like when you think about it, but it totally happens. Uh, or flu. So how far the, down the line do you go? And also, I think it's, I really do think it's a matter of making it a conversation as opposed to like asking for permission, that it's really kind of, and this is what partner A and I were discussing. I feel like I would like to stop using whatever barriers with them. What are your thoughts? I'm not necessarily like, is it okay if I do this? Um, And I'm also not quite necessarily going, I'm taking away barriers, take it or leave it. It's it's, it's having a discussion and being like, this is kind of what we were thinking and just kind of involving them. What are your thoughts on that? Um, And I have had that conversation go in different directions. I've had some say, you know, well, Make sure you talk to them because I am a sex worker. I am higher risk. Right. Make sure partner A is aware of that and talk to them about it. Um, I do really mm-hmm. try to stay away from like message passing. That's a big rule of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes there's a little bit of discussion that does need to happen when not everyone is in the same room uh, mm-hmm. scheduling. And I mean, obviously with COVID, it's a bit harder to have everyone in the same room right now. But, um but yeah, making sure, you can do to, online. making sure that it is some kind of conversation as opposed to either like a, a really intense um, ultimatum
0: mm-hmm.
1: while not necessarily being like an asking for permission because you have a right to set your own boundaries mm-hmm. and make your decisions. But right. it's nice to have people included in that conversation and make it more of a discussion. At least that's mm-hmm. my perspective. That's how I have at least approached the conversation when it comes to various partners and fluid bonding.
0: Yeah. And that's a really good point. I think, um, in the past when I've had those conversations, sometimes it's gone really poorly and it's gone poorly enough that, that sometimes, um, in the past as well, after those bad incidents, I was sort of like, cool, well, this is what I need for me. This is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And like, we can absolutely stop having sex if you feel uncomfortable with it, or we can take these precautions or I can increase my testing frequency. Um, but like, Ultimately, other than these options and alternatives of things I'm willing to do to help you stay more physically safe or, or be within your risk profile to continue um, you know, having sex with and sharing bodies with me, yeah. um, this is a thing I'm going to inevitably do in future. This isn't about you giving me permission to do a thing. It's about talking about how we can make our relationship work amidst these changes that I've decided I want to make in my own
1: life. Yes, exactly. That's a wonderful way of putting it because you, of course... You are the one person that gets to decide what you do with your body, and you are allowed to say, "This is a boundary. This is, this is what I'm doing." Um,
0: oh my goodness, though, the number of people that will take issue with that and say that they have boundaries over what you do, and it's <laughs> like those aren't boundaries those are expectations. Yeah. Those are demands. Those are rules that you want me to follow. A boundary is what you do for your own participation. So a boundary could sound like an ultimatum. It could be like, well, if you decide to go and start having unprotected sex with that sex worker, I'm no longer willing to have unprotected sex with you, but we can continue to have protected sex. That would be like a boundary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've had- or
0: even like a Plain and simple, I no longer want to have sex with you because I'm really sick of you getting a new partner every two weeks.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, there's um, different which, ones. I've definitely had somebody try to say, like, I it was uh, we were talking about someone with uh, a penis, and I said, yeah, I um, use barriers, and he essentially was like, well, that's like a boundary of mine. I don't have sex without them or something because I it doesn't feel as good, and I was like, that's not a boundary. <laughs> you need to respect my boundary like that's how you prefer things but that doesn't mean you're entitled to break my boundaries yeah and and the way that That... i've tried to approach certain things like that and i'll give an example um when it comes to oral sex Mm um on someone with a vagina or vulva i i Mm -hmm really 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 don't like dental dams and it's okay if you do like i feel like a bad sex educator Mm -hmm. for saying i don't like dental dams but i don't i there i don't like the texture and i find it to be very eh, a bit of a separation that's just how i feel i know people that love them but that doesn't mean that i'm just gonna toss away a dental dam and go without what i usually say is um, if you and I have both decided we're comfortable with that fluid exchange when it comes to oral sex, that's fine. I won't use a dental dam, but we both have to agree to that. If we're not yeah. on that level and if we don't want to have that fluid exchange, I don't like dental dams and I would rather do other things because yeah. I really just don't like dental dams. So I'm like, either we're agreed and we're okay use going without, or there's so many other things. We, can we just do something else. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's totally I think that's pretty reasonable. Personally, I used to use dental dams like exclusively like I went to oral sex with a dental dam. And then at a certain point, and and mostly that was because of my um like risk factors for HPV and like my concerns around HPV. And then at a certain point, I was just like, "You know what? If I die of like throat cancer in like 20 years because I've been eating too much pussy, that's to me that's just like you lived a good life."
1: That's risk assessment and then decision-making based on that. That's perfectly. Reasonable. Exactly. That's the risk you are willing within, to take.
0: That's right. It's within my risk profile. <laughs> so for me personally, I've now stopped using dental dams. Yeah. And even when I used to use dental dams, I found my partners went one of two ways. Cause I also use gloves yeah. a- and primarily I use gloves because I like anal ironically, not because anal is messy, but because fingernails are sharp. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with delicate tissue, like a person's butt using gloves hugely softens any sharp edges and if you put lube on your um on your fingers the lube on the surface of a glove over a nail is significantly slipperier than lube over a nail Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's just like it just makes everything slippery easier and in my experience just like less likely to cause something that will slow down or interrupt anal sex. Yeah. So for me personally, that's why I wear gloves. So I'll wear gloves and I'll do dental dams. And, and either my partners will like a start sexualizing the dental dams and the gloves or B they would be like, this feels too clinical. I'm not super into it, which is totally fine. I once had a partner that was consistently like almost asking me to take off the dental dam, like, but then felt bad about telling me not to use PPE. Right. So was essentially like consistently kind of squirming through the cunnilingus and just like clearly didn't really love doing it with a dental dam and didn't want to ask me not to use the dental dam. And I was like, like we can do something else. And then she would be like, no, she's like, I really like receiving cunnilingus. So like we can keep going. And I'd be like, o- okay. Cause you can just tell me to stop if you want me to stop. Um, but it was like, clearly she really wanted um, the cunnilingus and it was instead Turning into this like tease scenario mm. where it wasn't quite directly stimulating enough to get her off, which I actually enjoyed. Um, <laughs> I don't Poor. know whether she did, but she kept saying she wanted to keep going. So I was good with that. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess we've pretty much talked this subject kind of to death. Um, fluid exchange can sometimes be hierarchical mm-hmm. um, to consider what you actually want to need. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you have any closing comments?
1: Um. Maybe just a couple of like random tips. Adjust. Yeah. Sure. Just, Go for it. Just the tip. <laughs> um. <laughs> that. Basically, that. Um, it's one of those topics where, I, and I use this phrase a lot in my life. I try to, anyways. It's only weird if you make it weird. Um, yeah. So. Trying to normalize that conversation is going to enable more of those conversations so that you can have a healthier sex life. So, it, people say, Oh, it's such kind of an awkward topic. And I'm like, Yeah, but at the same time, like the less awkward you try to make it, the easier the conversation happens and it gets better and better from there. So, the more you talk about it, the mm-hmm. easier that becomes. So, I just encourage people to have those conversations. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I just wanted to mention was that a lot of people ask me, how do I ask somebody about like STI status or when the last time they got tested was quick side note. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have an STI. It bothers me and people use the mm-hmm. phrase clean because that implies yep. that anyone with an STI is dirty. It's okay to have an STI. It's just a matter of knowing your mm-hmm. body and knowing how to communicate that. Um, but people say, how do I ask that? Cause that's a, they worry it might be an accusatory question Or that it's just awkward and uncomfortable. And so I, my easiest answer would be, I usually say, well, talk about yourself first. Don't necessarily ask them. I would start off with, hey, by the way, this was the last time I got tested. Um, This is my status. And Mm -hmm. that will usually prompt the other person to share theirs as well. So um, I don't ask. I usually will just... Share my own status and the last time I was tested. And that seems to prompt the conversation. So I think that's the best way Mm -hmm. to go about doing that.
0: And if you do feel like you do need to prompt after you share your own data, you can always be like, cool. So how about you? Yeah,
1: totally. And I have legit, I've gone on like testing dates with somebody when (laughs) like we've been talking. I don't know (laughs) if you've done this, where you're talking about engaging in sexual activity and you're like, actually, it's been a while. And they're like, oh yeah, me too let's go get tested together and you go to the clinic together and it could be like a little testing date.
0: Right. And in Canada, it's free.
1: Oh, Yeah. Don't get me started. That's a whole other conversation on the U S. But yes, <laughs> um, anyone in Vancouver, I highly recommend uh community downtown Vancouver. They're very inclusive. Um, they are anonymous. You can go in there and write whatever name initials you want on their board, go get tested for free, get all the information and resources that you need.
0: There's also get checked online for folks in yeah. Victoria, Vancouver. I w- they're in Interior BC as well. It's either Kamloops or Kelowna, mm-hmm. um, but uh, which is hilarious because I used to live in Kamloops, and I'm sure folks in Kamloops are like. <laughs> yeah. Distinguish. Distinguish. It matters. <laughs> um, but uh, there is there's another testing site in Interior BC. So don't think that if you're out, quote unquote, in the sticks, by which I mean, in the medium sized city that <laughs> folks in Interior BC perceive themselves to live in. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm as little shade as I can manage. Um, but <laughs> um, check online. It
1: has a lot of resources as well.
0: Tons. Yeah. So Yes.
1: Do your research online so, yeah. and I'm sure you can find some resources hopefully free wherever your geographical location is
0: yep and as a final closing comment um all i have for you is rectum. damn near killed him
1: <laughs> i love you so much <laughs> i love you <laughs> you bring me joy i appreciate you
0: i'm glad i passed the the mary kondo test to not throw out <laughs> so how was it intimates did you love something you heard, or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful, it's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favourite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of intimate interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.